Hello, and welcome to Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo. With me, forever and always, the man, the myth. Hey, it's that one guy, <laughs> Alessandro <laughs> Vialsi. Say hello, Al. Yes, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> Our main topic for this week's going to be Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking... Oh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> we're drinking two roads. Physical difficulties? What? Physical difficulties? Uh, yeah, it's not technical. It, it was a physical <laughs> difficulty. Let's try that again. Two roads, workers' comp, saison. It is a dry, refreshing, farmhouse-style ale. Uh, usually I like to read you guys some uh, long-winded thing that's on the bottle and or box, but um, this box had no... Such things. So just this little blurb on the uh, the bottle then. Saisons were originally created to compensate Belgian farm workers. Give your taste buds a ra- raise with this pale and refreshing saison made with a blend of harvest grains. Barley, wheat, oats, and rye. Here's to taking the road less traveled in life and in beer. Hmm. It's like a sparkling white wine on the nose. Uh, a little bit. It is. I mean, it's. It is very dry smelling, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I don't know if you saw, but for this fancy French, well, it's a French word, if not a French beer, uh, it's a return of fancy glass. Oh, nice! Fancy glass is back. I love that. Yeah. This is the perfect type of beer for this glass, and uh, it's uh, it's a pretty looking beer. It's very pale. The uh, the carbonation's uh, aggressive. Yeah, no, uh, this style beer uh, typically does have excellent head retention. Um, in fact, <clears throat> shameless plug here, um, the Owls Ales Saison that you may have heard, who those of you who have been listening the past couple weeks, was struggling. Uh, <laughs> I tried it this weekend, and uh, it was pretty damn delicious, if is I do say so myself. Success? Where does it rate <clears throat> along lines uh, of that, uh, that amber, that delicious, uh, delicious amber? <laughs> I mean, it it rates quite strongly, especially if you're a fan of the style. Sweet. Okay. Cool. It's a pretty it's a pretty looking beer. It came out color very similar to how I wanted. Uh, I think I balanced it very well. Um, it had an excellent head on if that I do beer. Say Actually, so probably, myself. <laughs> yeah, if I do say so myself. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. good. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. What a jerk. Apparently, I'm not great at talking tonight. Cheers. Uh, let's, let's, let's give this one a taste, shall we? Uh, yeah, let's do it. No. Cheers. Hang on. I'm trying to find a good clink. There we go. Let's Use the bottle. This. The bottle. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I was right. This is very dry for a saison. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, it does remind me more of wine than beer. Yeah, uh, it's tasty though. I oh, like yeah. it. I like it too. I'm a fan. I will uh, definitely uh, uh, continue to drink this beer. A a stride in the right direction after last week's debacle. <laughs> wait, what did we do last? Oh, the wait, <laughs> Hurricane Kitty. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a disappointment. But this one, uh, I like this. I like it's this, very yeah. different from the. It's very different from the one I made. Mine's a little sweeter. I was gonna say I. I feel like I've had um, saisons before, and I, this is not what I was remembering. Uh, I've had other ones that were on the drier side, but this is probably the driest one that I've had. Mm. Oh, it's really good. I like this a lot. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I enjoy this. So, um, um, return of bottle art talk here. Uh, I yeah. really like. 
what's going on in this bottle. And not the, I mean, the, the two roads, I, I just like the two roads uh, logo in general, the, the two hands pointing in opposite directions. I love that. But yeah. at the very top of this bottle, like on the neck, there's a, a punch clock and a guy checking out. And a, and at the, on the right side, it says traditional end of day reward. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, that's the uh, the history of the saison, which we may have mentioned in the past. Saison um, literally means season, mm-hmm. and it's a seasonal beer uh, that was made uh, and used as payment for Belgian farm workers. So uh, it's perfect that it would be workers' comp, and there'd be a, a punch clock on it. Yeah, I like it. Big fan. Road yeah, uh, I um, I almost met the uh, the head brewer of Two Roads a few weeks ago. He was at uh, apparently he's a Friend of a friend, um, he was at a uh, housewarming party I was at, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him while I was there because uh, I had to leave early. And then when I came back later, he wasn't still there. So I always enjoy list- I always enjoy talking to <laughs> brewers of good craft beers because get some ideas. Always- yeah, ideas are just you hear cool things about the business or about their philosophies and stuff like that. And for for someone like me, I find that a lot of that stuff interesting. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, sweet. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd, I'd be picking this up again. I would. I would definitely. I could. I could kick back with this one and just you know sit and savor the flavor of it for a while. It's very yeah, tasty. I mean, I um, I have a few more sitting uh, in the other room, and I will definitely look forward to drinking the rest of them. Unlike the banana bread beer, which you just drank because they were there. Uh, yeah, there's still one more, I think, and that's so unfortunate um, for you. <laughs> I tried to pawn it off on my brother, and he didn't seem all that interested. So, uh, yeah, I was really hoping he'd take that off my hands. And you peer pressure like, him into it. Yeah. Just put it in a koozie and <laughs> just open it. Here. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, uh, you know, I think actually I'm going to have And then just go chug. Chug. <laughs> I'm going to have a bunch of people over for the fight this weekend, and um, maybe I'll see if I can slip that to someone at some point. Nice. Maybe this could be like the new like icing. Instead of doing it with the Smirnoff ice, you could do it with the... With one of these banana beers. That's not a bad idea. And it could be like a more dry humor thing because it came from that side of the world. Oh, from like England? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was thinking something a little bit more subtle and sinister like, oh, hey, could you grab me a beer? Oh, yeah. Do Anything you want in particular? Oh, no. Surprise me. (laughs) Well, I've got a surprise. (laughs) I was hoping you'd say that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, I will admit that i have not kept up with the news since our last uh our last episode did you hear any more about this robert kirkman thing that we were talking about last time no and it's funny because this uh this weekend i want to say yeah it was sunday um i was in the car with my brother we were driving down to the beach and i brought it up to him and he had not heard it about it at all Hmm. and he's as plugged into anything walking dead related as anyone because he reads the comics Right. Uh, um, he watches like stuff like online, like people do, like like fan theory type stuff, similar to Game of Thrones or whatever. Okay. Um, and he had no idea that this was a thing. So again, further driving home the point that it's really weird that no one's talking about this really big story. Yeah, very interesting. We'll have to we'll have to check back in with it once we have more news. Well, um, it's gonna be a slow unraveling story. This yeah. sort of. Um, lawsuit is not Either that or we're not going to hear about it again and they're going to somehow bury it uh we won't hear about it again until it either a goes to court or b the settlement comes out right 
Right. Well, um, in that case, as far as other news goes, just a just a, a cheers to Jerry Lewis. Cheers. Cheers. There was a movie that I saw when I was a kid with him. Uh, it's called Family Jewels, and I just fell in love with his humor in that movie. He was just so funny and so goofy. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I know he's um, obviously very uh, famous, but uh, I'm not really familiar with his stuff, at least not off the top of my head. Maybe we should do a, maybe we'll do a tribute episode at some point. Take a, take some time over the next year, and we'll we'll check in on, on his catalog, and we'll just do a little little tribute episode down the road. Oh, he was the original Nutty Professor. It looks That's like. That's correct. Yeah, he's a real funny guy. Um, do you have any other news things that you wanted to discuss before we uh, hop into our flick for this week? Um, no, I don't think so. All right, so moving right along to Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So this uh, this episode uh, is something that Al and I have been talking about for a while, uh, after, especially after Baby Driver, because I had never actually seen the movie. I think I saw uh, maybe like. I might have actually seen the tail end of it at one point, like at a house party or something like, along those lines. Like it was just on in the background, yeah. uh, but I never went out of my way to watch it. And um, a, a mistake, to watch it for yeah, a long time. A mistake on my part because, as Al put it, like there's no reason you wouldn't adore this movie, <laughs> and he was 100 percent correct. This movie was right up my alley, like to the point where it's like, oh, right, that movie they made for me. <laughs> like, yeah. To the point where I was getting anxiety when you said you were finally sitting down to watch it, and I was like... Is he going to like it? (laughs) Well, what if he doesn't like it? This is going to change everything. (laughs) that was the last episode of Flicks and the Six. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like, I've been bothering you to see this movie for a long time, Mm -hmm. because I did think it was going to be right up your alley, and I know, especially when we led up to talking about Baby Driver, that you're like, oh yeah, I love everything that I've seen of Edgar Wright's, and I was like, oh, perfect. Here's an Edgar Wright movie you've never seen. Mm-hmm. That, like, like you said, on paper is like checks pretty much all the boxes of right. things that you're looking for. You, Anthony Casanzo, are looking for in a movie. Exactly, and and boy, did it deliver! I had a blast watching this movie. It's funny because I hadn't seen it all the way through in several years, so I watched it again to refresh myself uh, before this episode, and I was like, I hope this holds up, and. <laughs> It absolutely did. <laughs> I gotta say, um, before we get into like the details of the film itself, Michael Sarah is just hysterical. See, it's funny. I'm not actually a huge fan of his in general. Um, I, I love him. He makes well, me laugh so easily. <laughs> the first thing that I actually ever saw him in was um, Superbad. And okay. I didn't really like him in it. Um, I thought him and Jonah Hill together were really good. Like, they played off each other well mm-hmm. uh, and had good chemistry on screen. But I, I wasn't really a huge fan of him in general in that. And I saw him in something else, and I was like, uh, yeah, he's just not doing it for me. Um, but I did think he was perfect in this role. Yeah. And I didn't start to actually really enjoy him much until I watched Arrested Development. I think I'm actually a bigger fan of him as a younger George kid. Michael. As George Michael, oh, then. What a great character. I think part of this is I've been actually rewatching Arrested Development. I'll throw it on while I'm cooking or something. Like that's That's been my background noise for uh, the past couple of weeks. And uh, just that, that show is perfect. <laughs> I absolutely oh, it is. love it's, it. It's absolutely and perfect. I, I've been, I had 
the reason I had started throwing that on was we were talking about this movie. Uh, I had ordered it while we were sitting at your house. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> after we watched Dunkirk, that was that was great. <laughs> right, and it was like within two days, you know. Thank you, Amazon. It was there, and uh, I was like, "This is." I, I I found like I found like just the right time. Like I sat down, I watched it, and I enjoyed every minute of it, and it was it was really great. And but it is his his delivery of his just it's like his own brand of humor. Like he's he is just socially awkward guy. Like that is and it, but he does he delivers it way better than a lot of I feel like other portrayals of that character that type of character does and oh yeah no he nailed this role to a t no doubt and so so much so that if you you've seen uh this is the end right yeah so much so that with like he owns this he owns this role like this type of person that in that movie when he played the total opposite of it i was like this is fantastic (laughs) (laughs) i loved it um but yeah as as we mentioned like this movie has everything for me like it's you got the, the the music, the the comic book themes, the video game themes, the the sound bites that are played throughout the entire film, and like it's all done so so well with such like great attention to detail. I mean, we talked about this with Baby Driver, like every every little thing that happens, like you should pay attention to it, like a little closer because there's there's just a lot of fun happening like in the scenery and around you the entire time. Like the oh, name definitely. of their band I, is I, Sex Bomb. Like that's I mean, come on. Exactly. It's so good. <laughs> we are Sex Bob Bomb and we're here to play music and stuff. <laughs> Watch out. <there. laughs> it's, so, it's so good. Uh, her character is great too. What was oh, her name in, in Newsroom? Maggie? Maggie. The, I, the funny thing is, I saw this movie like twice before I started watching the Newsroom and then I didn't see it for quite some time and then I saw it again and I was like, she looks familiar. Who right. is that? And like the like the the wig and stuff was throwing me off because she had this like weird like like ginger wig and like they really played up like her freckles. Yeah. And then like I looked her up. I was like, oh my god, that's Maggie. No fucking way. <laughs> they they do a great job with her in this too. Like when they're they're playing off like like you get this like small hint of that they were together at one point, Scott yeah. and her, and uh, that underlying hostility. And it's and it's so good. Like the way that they do it, because all they do is it, there's no lines related to it. They just move the camera directly at her while she is death staring him. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Scott Pilgrim, you're the salt of the earth. Oh thanks. Oh, I meant scum of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the another like I mean that's the a thing throughout the entire movie. Like just the just the the fun witty dialogue like throughout it is just it's so goofy and I feel like. The movie is like a series of like, of like just like these simple one-liners in a way, because like there's a lot of things throughout the movie that are just like these, these little homages to other references in pop culture. Like it's a that's that's what the whole the whole movie is like to the point where they do that one scene, um, and we're gonna get into spoilers here uh, because it's I mean the movie came out in 2010. Like, if you had spoiled something for me, I wouldn't have been upset. And I think that's the bar that I'm going for here. Uh, but, uh, so, they they do this whole scene that is a Seinfeld episode. Yes. <laughs> and it is perfection. Like, yes. he the way he enters the room like Kramer, they have the canned applause and laughter. And yep. then, like, he's all excited and, like, getting, like, clicking his heels kind of deal. And, and they're doing he, the Seinfeld music, like, yeah. the cut in and out music. Oh, absolutely. And then... His roommate is like the is like a dry like Jerry character, and he's playing the Kramer character, and he like opens the door and gets changed and comes out in a split second, and it just 
the editing in the movie is so good. Like for things yes. like that, like they use the editing like in noticeable ways, but it's not a negative thing. Yeah. And it's uh, no, it's funny because like before you like started to like talking about this, like that's one of my bullet points, like quips, one liners, running jokes throughout the movie. Like we could probably spend a full hour just going through all absolutely. of our favorite ones of those because there are so many. And like I already brought up a couple of those to you <laughs> like five minutes before we started recording. I like there are so many stupid little lines in this movie that just get me to like crack up. And I, I, I love it. It's all stuff like that, you know, like. Yeah. The, the the salt of the earth thing mm-hmm. the were you the way you opened up our thing before we actually started recording you know, what did I do <laughs> what do what I, I do, do? <laughs> <laughs> but like the, throughout the movie though it's like it's not just dialogue it's not just these characters like he finds a way to make all of this stuff funny and not just funny like super entertaining with, like, really interesting little, like, mechanics throughout the movie. So, like I said, like, they do, like, they did the whole Seinfeld episode. They do, there's, obviously, there's some great dialogue. There's a really cool breaking the fourth wall, not breaking the fourth wall moment with his sister. Where she, like, there, it's the first fight. And in that moment, we are all his sister. When she, when, like, everything else kind of, slows down for a second and she goes what's happening yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so like, and i was like about, yes exactly quick, what is happening <laughs> can we take a quick break and just talk about that one scene right now yeah sure uh the one with like the first fight scene against matthew patel mm-hmm. because that was the email? one scene that i was worried like this movie isn't gonna hold up to like the seven years since it's been out because that scene if you just showed someone that you would never be able to convince him to watch this movie because that is the most painfully awkward scene I've ever watched in anything ever. Mm-hmm. It yeah, makes it really me cringe is. so hard as I'm laughing hysterically at it. The whole Bollywood thing they do with like the song and dance routine and there's hipster vampires and like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like he crammed all of these other things into like into a single scene like that. Yeah, because like this movie is... So 2010, like it's like yeah. exactly encapsulates what was going on between like 2007 and like 2011, like that, like five year stretch. Mm-hmm. This movie is that that thing, like the whole thing with the hipsters, the the whole ridiculous like choreography of the fight and stuff. A lot of the musical choices in the movie, but that whole thing, like when he starts singing, I I was you're right, I was Anna Kendrick. Like, what the fuck is going right. on? Right, I want I this to turn into a musical. I want to believe that when like he was creating that scene. Like they they went back and added more pieces and layers on top of it as they went. He's like, no, no, not awkward enough. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, you looked away. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's it. another one of my, my favorite one-liners is in that scene after the attack happens initially, and he's like, wait, trying to figure out what's going on, and like way behind the action, his roommate goes. Hey, it's that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I use that line all the time, and no one knows what I'm talking about. It's so funny. That's part of the problem is, like, I'm. that's one of the reasons I've been pushing you to see this movie is because I literally don't know anyone else who's seen this movie. Yeah. Even though I know a bunch of people have seen the movie because, like, it exists and there's stuff written about it online, like, a lot. Like, it's a cult classic movie, 
But I personally, until now, don't know anyone who's watched this whole movie. That's funny. I, and I have no one to do all these stupid lines with. It, like, it, it's so, that's a shame because it is so entertaining. Like the, the the whole scene when he first goes back to Ramona's apartment and he, she says, "Hey, do you want some tea?" And he said, "Sure." And she says, "Oh, what kind?" And he goes, "There's more than one." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Like that. I, I mean, just that line just gets me. And then she mm-hmm. rips off. She reads like thirty T's off, like without taking a single breath. Yep. And like, I was, I went into this whole rabbit hole after I rewatched this movie, um, whenever it was, like last week or the week before, and like just like bits of trivia about making the movie, and she, like that was like so hard. Like she learned how to do it. Like she memorized that whole thing. Yeah. Like. They like said, oh, we'll just tape like something on the inside of the closet, and she's like, no, I'm gonna learn it. Like that was 100 percent authentic. She ripped that all off from memory. That is great. It, right? it, it shows. Like I mean, like that. That's it's it's too perfect the way that it's done. Yeah, it doesn't play like someone reading it. No, it's so quick. Like and that's a lot, a lot of it. That's that's the other thing. And uh, this ad, this movie has tons of replayability because. That's a little thing that you might find funny the first time, or you might miss it. Like you might not think it's hysterical, but if you go and rewatch it and you like you focus on like one new scene that you didn't focus on before, you're gonna find just a world of laughter <laughs> in this movie. And like, I, I just love that if you can you can go back to it and just find new things every time. Like, oh I could, yeah, I could see that already, and I I'm very excited to watch it again. I actually almost watched it again today, um, just just to refresh one more time. Uh, yeah, well, because I was, re- like I said, I was reading that stuff, and there was bits of, like, pieces of, like, trivia and stuff, like, about, like, little Easter eggs in the movie that I was like, oh, like, I missed that, or, oh, I, I you know, I saw that, but I didn't realize what the relevance of it was, mm-hmm. and it's like, I kind of had the same thought, like, shit, I want to rewatch this again, again, like. Yeah, yeah, like, I, it's just so, fun. like, there's, it's something as subtle as, I mean, it, it's very obvious and blatant, but, like, the, or, like, really early on, it's, like, the first scenes of the movie, like. He opens the door, and it's the chest opening sound in Zelda. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> that's funny. And then yeah, they did all sorts of like, like, uh, like uh, reward sounds, like in like yeah, video games. That, like I was gonna say that, something. That, that's the whole point. Like, it, it like does travel that. sounds, stuff like that. Yeah, it's so it's so awesome. Like it's it's like oh, it's like that's funny. That's one. And but then you were like, now you're paying attention for that. So like every little one that comes up later is like a little treat. A little nugget yes. that's dropped in there, and I think an, another um, like thing that makes this movie so good: none of these things are overdone. No, they're all just perfectly placed or just perfectly done enough times, or like even just like the setup of like what seems like a funny one-liner, and then it comes back as a running joke. Mm-hmm. In particular, when he's really distressed about—I don't remember exactly what had happened with with Ramona and. He comes back and he's and he's talking to his roommate and the roommate says, you know, uh, you know, I think you're gonna have to say it. And he says, what? And he says, the L lesbians. Word. <laughs> lesbians? No, love, Scott. Right. And then later she says, uh, she says something about it. She goes, you know, I think it, it's gonna take a little bit more than that. You know, what? You know, the L word. I'm in lesbians with you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it, it. It's just, it's just like so. It's so funny. It's like the. Uh, it's almost like stop. You're hurting me, like because yeah. like, like the the doctor in a Family Guy, like just enough with this shtick. <laughs> like, just, it's, but it's it's just so funny. I'm not mad at all, uh, and that yeah, like that's 
you want it, you want it one more time. It's so funny that you're hoping that you get it one more time and you do, and it pays off tremendously. Like the this is something that we had talked about prior to recording, but the when they mention his hair and he gets in, like embarrassed and another like incredible editing is where it's like it's it's almost as if the scene is fluid and he has left the set and come back with a hat on covering this hair and it happens once and it was like knee slappingly funny to me and then yeah. i was like i really like that and in the back of my mind i'm like i want that again and they do it again and it's just yep. they just do it a little later and it's just it's just beautiful. In case you missed it the first time, here it is again, and it's just as funny the second time. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, your hair's getting kind of shaggy. Oh, is it? Yeah, I uh, got a bad haircut a little while ago. I, I don't really remember when. It was 463 days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and how about Bill Hader as the narrator? Yeah. That's like, so great. Scott not Pilgrim even use the whole movie just like, randomly. <laughs> what? So, Scott Pilgrim earns self-respect. Oh my god, I was making that joke the other day. <laughs> Not that specific one, but like just that convention of joke. Yeah. Like, you know, someone like discovered something. I went to the beach with like my brother and a couple of friends, and they're like, you know, someone's like, wait, wait, what is that? And like we talk about it, it's like, this person has learned or has discovered <laughs> blank. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very much like the narrator in Gauntlet. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Blue Warrior shot the food. <laughs> oh, man. It's... Or even, like, the setup to the running joke of the seven the seven evil ex-boyfriends, and she keeps correcting him. Oh, saying, my God. It's so good. And it's like, why is she being such a bitch about this? Yeah. <laughs> Until Whatever. you finally realize why. I don't know why I have to fight your seven evil ex-boyfriends. Exes. Whatever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, yeah. And then... Also... Also, how about the fact that the ex-girlfriend was Mae Whitman, who was Anne from Arrested Development? Yep. How perfect is that? George, Michael, and Anne working together once more? (laughs) It's as plain... What is it? It's as nose as as on Egg's face. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, no, it's just Anne is the the nose on Plain's face. That's what it was. Yeah. (laughs) I always knew that Egg was a good Anne. Oh, my goodness. That show is excellent. You do a whole a whole series on that show. Oh my god! Uh, but even that, even that though, like at that point, you know, you you figured it out. I mean, as the viewer, because they do the whole thing where this girl attacks him in the street, and he's what, what's so funny about that scene is he's just like he, he's just so torn down by everything that's happened so far. He's just like, he says, I don't have time. For not this. now, <laughs> basically. And they just like the movie obeys that. <laughs> And, and this this fight goes away for a little while. <laughs> yeah, and they have and like that's like surrounding that whole thing is like again like the whole idea of like the comic book slash like video game like premise to this movie. Like, there's so many horrible corny lines mm-hmm. that are so bad they're good. Like when he's fighting her at the end and he says, "Wait, you were a lesbian in college?" and she says, "No, I was just a little bi curious." And then May Whitman says. Yeah, well, I'm a little bi furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Or earlier when he's fighting Matthew Patel, and as he's just about to defeat him, and he goes, Oh no, how can this be? And then Scott answers back, Open your eyes, maybe you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad! <laughs> Oh my goodness! I, 
other characters in this movie, the the first time his roommate's on screen, I don't know what it is that I don't know why I recognized it so quickly, but I was like, that he's a Culkin. I was like, that's Fuller. <laughs> um, no, I didn't say that. I didn't even say that. I just said, which Culkin is that? I just expected him to just take a sip of Coke and wet the bed. Like that's <laughs> that's where I thought this was gonna go. <laughs> Yeah, when I first watched it, I didn't identify which one there was because I don't know how many there are. But I, like my first thought was, that's clearly a Culkin. I wonder which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you keep acting like this, you're going to sleep on the third floor. Yeah, with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Also, how fucking weird is that that he shares a bed with his gay roommate it, and his it, gay roommate's boyfriend? It, this is another thing, though. This is just a, a random running joke that you just accept. And it's so oh, yeah. funny. I don't <laughs> because not it's like okay first that you find that like they sleep on the same bed and it's it's just funny and then later on they wake up from whatever it is and then the third person gets up out of the bed I'm just like <laughs> bravo and then later he gets he sits up then what, what I I always forget what the fuck is the the roommate's name Wallace Wallace sits up and then Wallace's boyfriend sits up and then another yeah. guy sits yes. up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like it's just it's just like there's no there's no dialogue around that, and the characters they don't they don't point it out, which is what I think what makes it so funny. Not only that, but everyone is intimately aware of everything that's going on yeah. and has advice for Scott. Right. That's like fantastic. prescient advice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's fantastic. It's beautiful. Like and like seamlessly, like that's how it's revealed. Is like the two of them sit up, and you can't see that there's anyone else in the bed. And mid conversation, another head pops up, and perfectly inserts himself into the conversation with knowledge of everything that's going on. Yeah. Uh, well, how about also like the the other running? It, I guess like now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of these really funny things, they happen twice. Just to I feel like just to ha- like to drive it home. The, when he sleep texts the sister. Yes, yes. And his sister calls him and she's yelling at him, and he's like, "But you're asleep." Yeah. Well, how do you do that? You're asleep, and you just see the phone in his hand yeah. stretched out as he's clearly snoring. It's so good. And then this, I'm sorry, this one scene—it's physical humor, and it's just, it's the type of physical humor that just cracks me up, like to the point where I I think I paused the movie because I was just laughing at this point so hard, but. When knives comes, yeah, I knew door. where you were going. When she comes to the door, and his Wallace is like is like basically blocking, and like and he Scott is in the background like doing things, like getting like getting ready, like and away and out of the scene, and then dives through the window and runs away, like headlong. He, he not only does a window he, that's easily six feet in the air. And this is this is exactly what I'm talking about, though. They do it twice. It, he's in the background doing two incredible things twice. The first one is he dives headlong. Through the window, like you're saying, which is amazing. Crashing sound. Like he's just right out the window, gone. And not only that, but Wallace is trying to block him, but you can still clearly see him oh, do yeah. it. A hundred percent. And then <laughs> but right after that scene though, the camera pans and it's now looking at knives, and you just see Scott walk, <laughs> walk Yes, that's behind it. <laughs> not just that though, you forget he like he goes, uh, I don't think he's in right now. He leaps through the window. Yeah. And then you know, they're in Toronto during the winter, so it's fucking snowing and freezing cold. And Wallace is just shifting, and the camera is shifting to be, like, opposing him. But you can still clearly see what's going on behind him. As Scott then comes back to the window, reaches into yeah. the window to grab a jacket, Beautiful. pulls it out the window, and puts it on him. 
it's it's so good. They like just all these things wrapped up into one. It's it's just a nonstop treat. This movie, and yes. it, it's you're just gonna you're just gonna go back and watch it over and over again. And, and that's another one of those things like like surrounding like knives. We haven't like talked about her barely. Yeah. Um, the running joke about uh, you know my high school girlfriend, my new girlfriend, my new fake girlfriend, my new new girlfriend, the new new girlfriend, <laughs> my new well, old girlfriend. Knives Chow. <laughs> Chow Knives. Oh my god. That that was the one scene. Still laughing. I just said boo to the TV at the <laughs> end when he says Chow Knives. Boo. Yep. I think you're supposed to. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. I also love when young Neil becomes Neil. <laughs> yeah. We shall call you Neil. Neil. <laughs> Where it's like uh, when they're signing the record deal and Scott's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to do it. And he just like, he's like, Quickly pops up with his base behind them. I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> and there's a million of those like quick cut things. Oh, oh yeah. my god, I'm scan- scanning through the TV right now. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is on. I'm putting Beautiful. it on. Excellent. <laughs> um, It'll obviously be muted, but I'll be watching it all. G- oh wow, perfect, perfect setup here. It's when he's talking to Aubrey Plaza, who I forgot was in the movie. Yep. And she keeps saying "fuck," and they keep putting a black box over her mouth, and they keep awesome. buzzing it out. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "How are you doing that with?" <laughs> Oh my god. I almost forgot about the vegan. How could you forget? I, I almost don't even forgot like Brandon about Brown, him. But he was perfect for that fucking It role. was great. He has superpowers because he's vegan. Okay, fill me in again on this again. I'm just not getting it. Well, you know how they say you only use uh, 10% of your brain? Well, the other 90% are filled in with curds and whey. <laughs> <laughs> By living a, a vegan lifestyle... Our brains uh, are uh, more powerful, and uh, we're able to use all these vegan powers. And and then like the just the goofiness of he tricks him with the coffee, like <laughs> with the the creamer in the coffee. Yes. Oh my god! Like a simplified version of the Princess Bride thing well, with the poison. Yeah, not even because there. I mean, or maybe because maybe there was cream in both cups. Um, but <laughs> which would have been? If they if they played that, that would have actually I think that would have only made the scene better. <laughs> also, and that whole thing brought up like the first couple times I didn't even realize it, but like there's um the the two vegan police yes were both like it was like cameos uh, Clifton Collins Jr. and um, Tom Jane Tom Jane yeah who, wait, Tom who Jane was... another Arrested Development um, alum who was the other guy. Clifton Collins. He was in uh, most recently. He was in Westworld. Wow, I'm trying to remember what he looks like. I have to look this up real quick. Did you see Westworld? I saw a part, uh, two or three episodes of it. Uh, then you might not have seen him. I don't think he was in it that early. He's uh, been in a bunch of things. Oh, oh yeah, this guy. He was in um, he was in the Bo- the Boondock Saints sequel, I think. Was it? I don't remember. I only saw the second one once. Either that, or he just looks like that guy. Which is, also, which is also possible. Let's see. Uh, oh no! Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, he has a really great line in that movie, and it's 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 really stupid, and it almost ruins the movie. But instead, I enjoy it, and it makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Brandon Routh was uh, that that was that that was a good solid uh, little role as one of the exes, the the vegan one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh that... my god! I'm watching this scene with all four of them in bed. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. Um, um, and one of isn't one of them. One of them is is uh, Anna, uh, Anna Kendrick's boyfriend, right? Yes, Wallace. Not again. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, when he's so blatantly like stealing him away from her during the first fight. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, Aubrey Plaza's character was really funny. She, yeah. I mean, she's. Don't she's, you fucking go near her! I swear to fucking so god. Strange, but how are you doing that with your mouth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, Don't worry about it. And then what's her name? Does it later? Um, what shit is her name? The one who plays his ex girlfriend, Brie uh, Larson. Yeah. Who I uh, who I didn't realize that that's who that was for quite some time. Oh really? Um, like because the first time I saw this was before Twenty One Jump Street came out. And when I saw that, didn't realize it was the same actress. And like went back and saw it later and I was like, wait, this that's her? I she was I didn't even realize that now that you said that. I'm I'm shocked. I didn't pick yeah, up. Yeah, that's Brie that. Larson. I no, I, I didn't realize she was in twenty one Jump Street. I knew she was in this. I knew she was in um She was in the league, right? Was she? I think she was. Uh, I don't remember I'm her being. this one up now, too. I think she was, uh, yeah, she dated Pete for a small really? amount of time. I think it's only a couple episodes or something. Oh. Yeah, she was in the league. And uh, oh, she was also in Room, which I didn't get to see yet. That's, well, she won an Oscar for that, right? Yeah. Did she win? The, I think she won the Oscar for that. She did. She was in The Gambler. She was she pretty was good in Don that. Don John. Yep. Oh yeah, she had literally zero lines until the very last time she's on screen. I think on in Don John. Right. Um, uh, and she was in that movie Free Fire that I mentioned to you. She was getting yep. that. Yep. Yep. I still want to see that. You should definitely see it. Oh, and Kong. <laughs> well, well, we saw that recently, and she's right. going to be Captain Marvel as well. Right. Yeah. Awesome. But um, and that, you know, actually, it's funny. We're talking about her now and her role in Scott Pilgrim, and it reminded me of um, they play that song um, when they see her in concert because she's like the now famous um, singer songwriter, or whatever. And um, that's a song by Metric, yeah, um, Black Sheep. But the thing is, I didn't know that that was a real song. I just thought that that was a song in this movie that this fake band was singing. Oh, that's funny. And then, like, a year ago... No, two years ago, I saw... I went to go see Imagine Dragons in concert, and Metric was opening for them, and I was like, that band name sounds familiar, but I don't know who they are. And they played a couple songs, and I was like, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song, too. And then they started playing Black Sheep, and I was like, wait, I recognize this song, <laughs> and I don't know why. And they keep, they got into it, and I was like, what is that? that song from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> That's a real song? <laughs> No, I think That's they great. wrote it for the movie. That's awesome. Wait, did they wrote it for the movie, you said? I think they did. I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I thought I remember seeing, after just rewatching this, I thought I remember seeing that Metric wrote that for the movie. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I was familiar with the song just from having heard it on like the radio and stuff. I didn't realize if that was the case. It's kind of awesome. I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I thought I remember seeing that. Um, What about Chris Evans? See, I was waiting for that as well because recently we were talking. I don't remember if it was in an episode or if it was just you and me talking. And you were like, yeah, not a fan of Chris Evans. Yeah. And I was like, please tell me if you still feel that way after seeing him in Scott Pilgrim. What are your uh, thoughts about it? He nails it in this movie. Right? Because you're like, oh, I don't know. I just feel like he's kind of like – like. Like he doesn't, I don't know, he's kind of douchey. He seems like self-involved, and that's exactly what he plays. And he like completely riffs on that exact character. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it is hysterical. And 
the whole the whole over the top action star and not not only that they describe him that way but then they also give you like the movie trailer mm-hmm. it's like you're gonna hear two clicks the first is me hanging up the phone the next is my gun <laughs> it's like, yeah. whatever. i was like just i was like just stop and then <laughs> on top of that he's he's like a pro or semi-pro skateboarder yep right and that is then utilized to take him down fantastic they basically made him vin diesel circa 2002 just like he he was the triple x character yes <laughs> like that's who he was but like that was his real life character in the movie that is awesome i love it yeah uh, it was so great because like they're completely playing to that stereotype and he just fucking nails it and i was like those are the things you were saying you felt about him in real life and like i feel like that can't be who he is in real life Considering how well he nailed it when it's very obvious that they're, like, lampooning that type of actor. Right. That's awesome. Really well done. Um, just that... <laughs> this is the, the whole, like, just basically daring him to grind down this railing. Oh, Can you do oh. one of those grind thingies? I'm, like, he's excited. He's like, it's covered in snow. He's like, there's girls watching. Done. That was all he had to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was all he had to say. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Jason Schwartzman plays a really great dick in this movie. <laughs> uh, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> also, Lana! We won't get into spoilers too much here in any way, shape, or form from this week's Game of Thrones, but how great was that conversation between the uh, Hound and Tormund? So good. About dicks? Just their whole, I, like... I was talking about this with a couple of my friends. Like, we we want that show. Like, I want them living in a house, road rule style, <laughs> or something like that. No, we just need a Game of Thrones spinoff where the two of them basically do a hedge night thing. The two of them just roll around the country, getting on each other's nerves, having hysterical conversations like that, and then just kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. It's beautiful. I also, um, not to get too into Game of Thrones, but the whole... The whole love for Brienne that he has is just... Oh, it's the best. It's fantastic. It's so cheesy. little babies and they're going to take over the world. Yes. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, giant babies. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, getting back to um, Jason Schwartzman, um, this was the only thing I had seen him in for, like, the longest time. Okay. And, like, I would hear his name a lot and was like, this guy... It doesn't matter. Why does everyone know his name? And I didn't realize how wrong I was. Mm-hmm. That he was in like all of those um, Wes Anderson movies and other stuff too. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. he was in the in Moonrise Kingdom was the last thing that I watched him in uh, prior to this. And I, I don't know if you saw that one, but after well, that's I a Wes had, Anderson one. Yeah, after I had watched Grand Budapest, I was like on the lookout, like when these things would be available, and I was just checking them out. It was another one that really. Uh, that thought it was really funny, but he, one of his roles that cracks me up is the goddamn Amazon commercials with him and Alec Baldwin. Yeah, they're amazing. Schwartzy, get in the sidecar. <laughs> right <laughs> up. Uh, the other day I saw him too. He was uh, I had forgotten. He's in like one episode of Parks and Rec. Is he? He's the curator of like the art house like movie place that they try and do like a government bailout for. And all the movies that they show are, like, really artsy, but they're all super depressing 
or like they're documentaries and no one wants to see any of them. Okay. And he gets crazy excited about them and like someone like asks and he's like, Oh, it's a horribly depressing film. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, he was he was good in this though. I, I uh like I said, he played a he played a dick really well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um so, and then you know what that brings us to the battle fights, like the battle scenes. Oh yeah. Which is just over the top bananas and again just a tribute to like video game fighting sequences and health bars and <laughs> power-ups yes. and continues the friggin one-up is amazing <laughs> when yes. he grabs it out of the sky Bloop. or how about <laughs> hey look coins you yeah. <laughs> need enough to take the bus <laughs> yeah. every time you beat someone there's just more coins oh my god i like i like after he loses the fight when he goes back to do it again and he like realizes like the changes that he can make, and like he apologizes to Kim. Yeah. And basically just gains what? What does he gain in that? In that. One of them was like the power of self-respect. One of them was the power of forgiveness, or something yeah. like that. This, this is so silly. It just it just works so well, and like I love it. I love. I you'll, love you'll pay for your crimes against humanity. I love. I love all of these, like all of these pop culture references throughout the entire movie, and this is part of the reason why I'm extremely excited for Ready Player One. Um, I loved the book because of that reason, and this basically captures that type of enjoyment that I will get. And it's just like mm-hmm. having having all these, just knowing that there's going to be so much. To look at and rewatch and pick apart and find new things each time. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Uh, I'm watching. They're showing the the <clears throat> when he fights Brandon Routh and it's the the base battle. Oh yeah. There you go. Music. The music is great in this movie. Yes. Fantastic. I, I thought that was a cool concept. The first time I saw this, I was like, "What? What are they doing?" And they're showing like them playing and the notes are coming out and like they're going back and forth and it's like. Oh yeah, this movie totally came out like right when Guitar Hero was a thing, mm-hmm. and it's like that's exactly like what you know, oh like you're battling like you know who's who's better at like just shredding on these fucking guitars right now. Uh, uh, that brought me to another thing early on um, when Knives goes to the goes like to hang out with them for the first time when they're practicing, and he's like, yeah. I play bass. Um, this guy's the talent. Kim's on drums, and like she sits down and she's like, What do you play? And he's like. Um, Zelda, and <laughs> just going through the video games. I'm like, wow. Oh. I was like, just again, just slow clap. Like, just well done. <laughs> I there's, love it. Some, there's a lot of really good jokes like surrounding knives. Um, because like there's the other one where it's like the second time that Ramona is meeting knives when they're at the bar right before the concert, like the scene was just on a couple of minutes ago. I saw it and I was like, made a mental note to bring it up. And the first time it was when he was still dating knives, but he was into Ramona. Mm-hmm. And that was at like the, the battle with Matthew Patel or whatever. And then there's the second time when they're about to go to this concert and knives shows up with young Neil. Cause they the, broke up with knives and now he's got his new, new girlfriend, Ramona. And right. she's trying to make him jealous by dating young Neil. And she goes, Wait, Scott, how do you know her again? And he goes, uh... And they they zoom into his brain. And in his brain is this, like, Wheel of Fortune-style wheel with all these different responses. Uh-huh. And it, like, spins the wheel and the things, like, like the arrows hitting all, like, the things. And it gets stuck between two of them. One of them says, I've got a pee. And the other one that says, who her? 
And he just shouts out, I've got to go pee on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just turns and he like sprints away. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh, man. Uh, overall, I just, I'm so glad that you pushed me to get, to pick this movie up and watch it. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I know. I'm Well, I'm thinking like the two movies that I've really went to bat for for you to go see that I was like, I can't believe you haven't seen them are this and Cloud Atlas. And thankfully, you've loved both of them. Yeah. So it's going to be heartbreaking if like is a movie that I love that I want you let's, to see. Yeah, gonna, I, let's see if you can go three for three. Or vice versa. Because like for you, it was Memento. Yeah. And I oh, loving that. Such a good I love Memento. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's my hero. <laughs> I'm chasing this guy. Oh, no, he's chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, you got anything else you want to go through? Um, well, I was just going to, I, you know, I had something down here. Um, Hit me. About uh, just and we kind of like danced around it a little bit, like unintentionally. The whole thing about this being, even though it's unlike pretty much any other movie I've ever seen, it's also immediately recognizable as this is what hundred percent an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, the music and how not in the same way that Baby Driver was, but just how important the music is to this movie. Right. Whether it be the bass battle or them playing the concerts we we should probably actually talk at least a little bit about like the concerts too but like that sort of stuff the quick cut things um and the quick one-liners like which is from the three cornettos from baby driver like that whole that whole idea of this just these these quick sorkin-esque like ripping off one-liners at each other and stuff like that yeah this like checks like all the boxes that you kind of like expect there to to be with the exception of maybe other than his work with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and a couple of people who are in all of those movies, um, he doesn't seem to carry actors or actresses from one movie to another. Mm-hmm. Like we see with a Nolan and Michael Caine type of thing, you know, and Tom Hardy. Right. Which I find odd, because most directors do bring, whether it be a big actor or a small one, usually do bring people from one movie to another. Well, I mean, like you said, he has those three where he carries people, maybe but it's this is just but working it's with different new folks. Because those are those are a partnership that's gone back. Like th- those aren't just he's bringing an actor. Like they're like equal partners in those movies. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because they both like they they cut their teeth on that TV show Spaced that was like a British TV show in like 2000. Um, all all of them didn't matter. Edgar Wright didn't matter yet. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, none of them were anyone yet. Like th- so, like they've really gone on that ride together. Yeah, but maybe it's that like he, maybe he doesn't. It could be that he doesn't want to make the same movie, and maybe that's his concern. Like if he brings these people along, that it'd be too similar. Or like if you really think about the movies that he's made and the different, like if you take this movie and you take Baby Driver and you put them next to each other, mm-hmm. I don't see characters from either in the other. What do you mean? I don't see actors that are in either of those movies in the other. Well, I don't no, see that, how it could that, work. Oh, you're saying how it could work? I I don't see it. Okay, I mean, I guess that's. And that I think fair. It, it, I don't know. It could just be that he's very in tune with like 
with casting for his film. Like, and I feel like when maybe it could be like along the lines of like he writes a story and then figures out the the people that can make that story work. Whereas maybe someone like Christopher Nolan writes the story and as he's going, he like he knows who he wants to play the part, and then he maybe he lets that influence the part a little bit. I, I suppose that's possible, but. The, you also have to say a lot of the characters that he has carried from one movie to another kind of play different, like a different range of things. Mm-hmm. Like Killian Murphy has been in a whole bunch of his movies now, all three of the Batman movies, uh, Inception, and now Dunkirk. He's played a completely different character, mm-hmm. or three separate characters, considering he played one character in three of those five movies. <laughs> right. Um, but like the, the the character he played, like the Scarecrow, is nothing like his character in Inception. Is nothing like his character in Dunkirk. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, I, but like I'm saying though, I, I don't know. He but he also he might have like a, a more personal relationship with the actor um, from having worked with them and know their range and what they can do and and think about them as the person that could fit the role. And then I I do feel like there is some shaping the character around the, the person that he's chosen to play it. Uh, it's possible, but I, I think it seemed like you were kind of alluding to the fact of him using these actors or actresses as a crutch. And no. I don't see Nolan having been guilty of that. I don't, I don't think it's a crutch at all. I think he recognizes their talent and their skill. And he no, no, has... I don't mean for him specifically. I mean like the, that practice as a crutch, like in general. I'm not sure what you mean. I don't, I'm not referencing it as a crutch. Okay. <laughs> but well you said you said that he may pick or write a character to fit a person that that seems like you no no i think that he i i'm saying that as he i'm thinking that as he writes something and obviously i can't speak for him but i'm in my mind i'm wondering if maybe he's he writes a character or writes a a role in a movie and starts to think along those lines as he's making it oh who could fit here and then, and then decides maybe that person's in the role, and then slightly adapts it. Like, let's make sure that we get some of their strengths in here, like to to deliver in a different way. I I just feel like that. I I don't think I don't. Again, I don't mean it as a crutch. I think that he's utilizing um, the skills of these actors that he enjoys working with. Okay. Okay. Anyway, with the with the Edgar Wright thing, like yeah, like I, if you look at like I said, Baby Driver in this movie, it's like I don't see anybody cro- like jumping across and working as as a character in in both those movies. Like like imagine Michael Sarah, like what like could he play a role in Baby Driver? I'm sure he could. It wouldn't work the same way that any of these other actors portrayed those roles. Um, I mean, that, I suppose that's mostly true. Um. But also, I mean, like, it doesn't always have to be that someone's, like, a lead, though. When Like, when you think about something like Michael Caine mm-hmm. being in the the Nolan ones, um, very important character in the Batman movies and The Prestige, relatively small character in Inception, and he had three lines in Dunkirk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you would think that maybe he would sneak someone in I see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe they're the lead in one movie, but they have a bit part in the other or a cameo in another. You know what, what if mean? we find out he's a total dick to work with 
and people just don't want to be in the next movie with him. Possible, uh, or maybe he, maybe he, it's been his mentality, and it's he carried that through in creating the character in Baby Driver, Kevin Spacey's character. I never work with the same crew over again. Yeah, creating a new maybe experience. That's him. That hit, and in that moment, we realized Kevin Spacey is the Edgar Wright character. That's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. <laughs> he took that own inspiration and made that as like a that. trait of that character. Bananas. <laughs> but, I mean, there is some carryover between the three Cornettos movies. Um, uh, like, what's his name? And this is kind of what I was like alluding to with maybe they're a, a lead character in one and a small character in the other. Someone like uh, Martin Freeman is in all three of those movies. Mm. But he has a really tiny role in the first two movies, and then he's one of the core group in the the third movie. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, well, I, I, but like you said, though, if those three movies are like a partnership thing, that could be something that maybe that was on somebody else's radar and not necessarily his. Well, but it's not just him though, because uh, it's it's exactly the same thing with I think Eddie Marsan is in all might be in all three of those as well. He's hmm. definitely in, or maybe he wasn't in all, in all three of those. I don't know. It's interesting, for sure. One of the Andes from Hot Fuzz is in the third one as well. I don't think he was in the first movie at all. What is it? What an, another shtick? That's just <laughs> why are both of these guys named Andy? <laughs> like yeah. this? Like that is that's so great. Like you know what? Let me paint myself into a corner with these two characters, and I'm gonna Andy? stay. I'm, I'm gonna stay here for the whole movie. <laughs> Andy, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that just, sorry, that just reminded me that I love that fucking scene in that movie when um, they're all swearing at each other, and one of the Andes is putting the fine in yep. the swear box for the yep. Andy, and then <laughs> Nick Frost is putting the swear the swear fines in for Simon Pegg. Leslie Tiller was fucking murdered, and he puts the dollar in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, these movies are so much fun. Right? That's just... They're just fun movies. Yeah, it's just pure entertainment. I, I like want to when this is over. I want to throw one on. Speaking of, what else you got? Um, we basically haven't talked at all about Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, I gotta say she's kind of annoying. Um, not uh, not like the actress or anything. The character is, is <laughs> of Ramona. Bothers the hell out of me. Everybody else is super interesting to me. She's annoying. Well, it's funny because she's necessary. She's kind of a roller coaster in this, right? Yeah. Where early on she's just kind of a stone cold bitch, uh, and she even she even says it later in the movie. I've dabbled in being a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but she still has some funny, like really, like super dry when she's being funny. But she has some really funny lines in the movie, like when he dreams about her before, like he actually meets her. And he says, what are you doing in my mind? She goes, oh, there's a really convenient highway that goes between where I'm going and where you go, like where I need to be and through your your dream. And he's like, what? And she just roller skates out. Yeah. <laughs> or the line about the tea, you know. You know the you tea know, was great. Tea? But, yeah. That, I agree with that one. That one was, that was really funny. She, she, she had a couple funny lines later in the movie too. Um, but that's what I'm saying, like, because like there was times where she was definitely a bitch and then there was other times where it was like, you're like, oh, like she, I think her heart's kind of mostly in the right place, you know what I mean? And like, she just doesn't know how to deal with this 
what the fuck situation is this yeah. type of deal? <laughs> you just reminded me the what, the role of waiting thing. When he orders the fucking package from Amazon. And then immediately throws it in the garbage? No. And then sits next to the door. Waiting. And his roommate goes, are you waiting for the package that you just ordered? Because it's not going to come until like Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, and then he take when he gets the package, just chucks it over his shoulder at the garbage. Beautiful. Can you sign this for me? Sure. He signs it and throws it and lands yeah. perfectly in the garbage. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's... But I, I did. I ultimately liked that, even though this movie is about her, it doesn't really give much for her to do. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, um, which I'm that's sure... why I say that I don't really like like the character as a whole. It's like honestly, like I don't. I don't get I don't get Scott's appeal, but it doesn't bother me. It just well, because there is kind of fun things here and there, and it's she's kind of like this taboo like girl next door type of thing that's like driving him nuts. And then, but then you do see like they do have like chemistry at times where it's like he's like fuck, I really got to go through this, and she's like yeah, I'm really sorry about that. It is pretty shitty, and it's kind of a testament to the fact that I'm trying to change my life and it keeps chasing me. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that part of it was pretty relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that after all of that, she tries to do what she thinks is best for him and walk away and let him be with knives. And he's like, but that's not Chow. what's best for me because that's not what I want. Yeah. And it's not what she wanted either, but she felt like after all she put him through that, that, she wasn't worth the price that he had had to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but in just in general, I kind of like her as an actress, even though I haven't seen her in a ton of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought she was fine as an actress in in the movie as well. But like, she, the character, doesn't actually have a lot of screen time. She has a lot of screen time, not a lot of lines per se. That's true. She's there most of the time. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a lot like she's. She is the reason for the events of the entire movie. Yes. And that reason is there on screen. <laughs> yeah. It's just a reminder of what this is about, this one over here. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, this movie is about her, even though they don't actually give her much to do. It's very strange. Um, but it's funny because, like, she was in... Do you watch Fargo? No. She was in the newest season of Fargo, which I hadn't got to watch as it was airing. But, like, a month ago, I just knocked all the episodes out of it was sitting on my DVR and she was really good on that. I liked yeah. her a lot. Cause like outside of that, it was this movie and it was that one diehard movie that she was in. And like, I felt like I wanted to like her a lot, but the, like you said, like kind of, they didn't give her a ton to do. What diehard movie was she in? The live free or diehard. She plays the one with, uh, Justin Long and Kevin Smith uh-huh. cameo. And Timothy okay. Oliphant before he's Timothy Oliphant. What? What? What does that mean? Uh, before Justified, before he actually mattered as an actor. Uh, I feel like I remember him prior to Live Free or Die Hard. I don't. <laughs> anyway. Okay. My well, memory of well, She was in that movie. Matter. Was she in it for very long? Yeah, she plays Bruce Willis's daughter. I don't remember how relevant the daughter was in that movie. Fairly relevant, especially in the second half of the movie when she gets kidnapped and they spend most of the rest of the movie trying to save her. And her and Justin Long develop a thing. 
Okay, I'm vaguely remembering it. I guess I have to watch this one again. Um, to remember I, it. I like Not necessarily. I have to watch Die, Live for Your Die Hard again. <laughs> I like the movie, but it's kind of a guilty pleasure movie. I can see that. Um, there was it's not as good one, as there? what? There was another one after that, wasn't there? Yeah, I didn't bother seeing that one. I saw about fifteen minutes of it and I couldn't get into it. Hang on, I gotta see. I might own this. Gotta go. <laughs> uh, if it's worth anything, I definitely own this movie. Ah, a good day to die hard. That's the other one. That's the the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I never Check. had much desire to see that one. It checks out. I own it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I kind of like this movie, whether or not it's a good movie. Um. It's kind of just a big dumb action movie. It's not as good as Die Hard or Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, I've never Die actually Die Hard with a Vengeance is so good, <laughs> right? It's so good. I never actually saw the second one. The second one's alright. It's whatever. The first and third. That's where it's at. It's like uh, one, three, four, two, five. <laughs> oh, you know what he was in? I completely forgot about this. Um, Timothy Olyphant. Four, two, five. He, he was in. A Man Apart. Uh, what was that? Uh, Vin Diesel. It sounds familiar. I don't have to look this up. Uh, Vin Diesel's like a DEA agent or something like that, and they're trying to take down this drug kingpin. Like, in South America. I'm not certain I've seen it. I saw it a couple years ago. It came out in like 2003. Um, it was a decent movie. It's worth a watch. Oh, that's what I remember him from. Gone in sixty seconds. That movie is fantastic. Disagree. That movie is fantastic, and I will disown you as my cousin. <laughs> that movie exists. No, that movie is fantastic. <laughs> I worked with a couple of guys who were obsessed with this that movie, and good I people. Watched it. Good people you worked with. <laughs> I watched it because of how much they talked it up, and I was like, but why? You must have missed it. You should put it back on. Like, no, no, it was it was fine, <laughs> but it wasn't anything special. I it wasn't memorable because I don't remember anything about it. It's a crying shame. I love Gone in Sixty Seconds. I quote that movie more often than I should. If you quote it at all, then probably is the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a great scene in that movie where the the cop um timothy oliphant's partner actually in that movie they're like the main cop comes into the shop and there's there's coke on the floor from they, they like they stole they boosted a car uh the car was sitting somewhere where it shouldn't have been and the reason it was so easy to boost was because it was actually like a car filled with drugs that was supposed to be picked up by somebody else anyway um they have this car in the lot and then the the cops come in and like, he's revving the engine uh, he lets the cop go in and rev the engine, and they're using that. like He's like getting them all excited and having them rev the engine harder and harder so the exhaust blows away the coke that's on the floor. <laughs> and there's a uh, Scott Kahn's character. Had, like He goes to grab a wrench, and he grabs the wrench, and uh, the uh, Nicolas Cage character waves him off. And then after after the cops finally leave, he goes, what were you going to do? And he goes, I was going to bonk him. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's one of the lines <laughs> that we quote. <laughs> you were going to by, bonk him. Previous, I stand by my previous. Ah, uh, the movie's so much fun. It's uh, a just, movie can I'm be fun and not be great. Okay, when I say great in this context, <laughs> I do mean a load of fun. Uh, I I happily admit that it is a guilty pleasure. Okay. That's that's different. It's a great guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I don't mean it's like a a great film, <laughs> like like a Dunkirk. It certainly is or, not that. <laughs> that's not where I'm going with it. <laughs> uh, it's so much fun though. That's a. Um, as I was looking, like one. just scrolling back up the page um, that I was on with Timothy Oliphant, mm. I forgot that he was in an episode of Archer and. I can't wait to watch that episode with you because you only watch Archer when you're watching it with me. Basically, yeah, that's pretty much at this point. <laughs> How good was that Bruce uh, that Burt Reynolds episode? Oh my god, that show is so <laughs> stupid. I love it. What aren't you getting? Oh, the core concept, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh man, you got anything else on Scott Pilgrim? Um, are you familiar with the source material at all? Not at all. Yeah, neither am I. I I'm know that, I know that there is source material that exists. <laughs> I know that there is source material. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nailed it. Well, you know, sometimes like you watch a movie and it's like someone will be like, "Oh, that was based on this thing," and you're like, "Really?" Yeah. Um, so I know that it exists, but I have never read any of it. I'm curious if like if if the the comic would have um, has these types of cultural references throughout, like throughout. Oh, it, I think or... it does. I think that's the point. Okay, I wasn't sure. I mean, like, there's parts of it that could easily be the basis for a comic, and then I wasn't sure if the rest of it was in the comic or if it was, um, or if it's like just the an addition from Edgar Wright. Like I wasn't. I don't know because I had never seen or read any of them. No, if I if I understand correctly, I think the whole idea of the comic book being or the, of the, the story being video game esque, I think is something that carries over from gotcha. the comic. Is it, is it a series or is it like a graphic novel or a set of graphic novels? Do you know? I want to say it might be a couple of graphic novels. Okay. But That's I'm not idea that I, sure. I kind of figured. Cool. I'm watching them pl- like play one of the shows and uh, it's like at the end when he goes to the Chaos Theater, and I'm realizing that I remember we didn't mention it, and it's ridiculous when they do that first battle of the bands when it ends up with them fighting Matthew Patel. That other band that comes on that yeah. they're listening to, and he goes, "Yo, they they have the most ridiculous song titles, right?" Oh that yeah, guy, they're like three seconds. Yeah, he goes, "Yo, we're about to play, you know, whatever," and they just go. Ah! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then uh, his roommates heckling them from the balcony. Yes, this one goes out to the guy in the balcony. It's called "I Hate yeah. You." <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what it was? I don't even. I've, I've had a lot like wrong. That, but... And I love that scene. And actually, that's another one. Like, no, sorry, two separate scenes here. But there's where he's the the other guy, the guy who's like the lead singer and like lead guitarist, 
and he's freaking out, and he just keeps talking all in one breath, and they're showing the subtitles. He's like, oh my god, they're so much better than us. We sound like such garbage. Oh my god, what are we going to do? I'm freaking out. Why aren't you freaking out? <laughs> it's so much fun. If but, you... uh, and that also, like, later when they're invited to play as the opener for Scott's ex-girlfriend... And he's like, uh, oh, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. Or, you know, are we being immature? And he goes, come on, this would be great like exposure for the band. Like, we got to do this. And he goes, uh, I don't know. I don't want to do it. And he goes, for the band? For the band? For the band? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do that to, like, my brother or sister. Because Gianna watched maybe the first half hour of this movie, then fell asleep, and then kind of caught bits of the rest of it. And so she knows some of the references, and I'll do that to the two of them when I ask them to do me a favor and they start to like hem and haw. I'll be like, for the band? For the band? <laughs> for the great. band? And usually that'll get them to do it. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. I'm going to use that on you. Oh, please do. Get me a beer for the band? <laughs> for the band? If you do it like that, I, I will probably get you the beer. Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, that's, a, that's pretty much good for me, I think. Uh, I, that was that, that was, movie. Oh, I'm so I'm so happy with it. I I appreciate the uh, you you calling it out that I hadn't seen it and picking it up. I'm I'm very glad that it's sitting on the shelf behind me. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I didn't expect you to just like as we were sitting waiting to eat dinner, just be like, and I just bought Scott Pilgrim. Like apropos of nothing. But it's like, I, I, what, what am I gonna rent it for four dollars or I'm gonna buy it for nine? Like, I, <laughs> come on. No, it wasn't even so much that you went and bought it. It was just. The way in which that unfolded. <laughs> yeah, that's how I do things. All right. Well, I mean, uh, it's kind of how you did the whole thing with Cloud Atlas too. When we watched it, and you're like, "I need to buy this movie." Yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure I ordered it while we were while. watching it. I might pick it up on the way home. Oh, is that when I did it? I, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I ended up picking it up or if I ordered it. Um, I, I don't think you ended up picking it up that day, but you got it within like yeah that week. Yeah. Again. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> also, you and Kim need to watch that as the first of your two reviewings right, of the right. movie. So, so that we start can do planning an that. On it. so. It'll happen. It'll happen. All right, folks. Oh, wait. Before, oh, oh, oh. Sorry, before oh. we get... Wait, no, if you, do you have something Shut to say down. about this movie or that movie or any other movie? So help you God. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, what, I just want to make sure I didn't cut off something. Not good. Um... Uh, an idea was brought up to me, and I figured we could talk about it here for two seconds and probably more after we sign off. Ah, but yes, um, Two seconds here, more seconds later. <laughs> fact. Um, it was recently Out brought up to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was brought up to me like two days ago by a friend of the podcast, Alex Firestone, that he would be interested, and I would hope other of our listeners would also be interested in us possibly creating an untapped account for Flix and a Six. I, I said that. I don't recall this. <laughs> I said this months ago. <laughs> That's probably why I don't recall it. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that people could Alex track... Alex is here computers. trying to steal my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, so that we could, re- we could track our, um, our beers and uh, yeah. anyone who's interested in drinking our beers and doesn't want to have to look through and pour through our episode guide to find out what we drank. No, I, I, yeah, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I don't remember. It you might be this the up. best idea. Let's <laughs> not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we should. Uh, we can get on that. 
think, okay. that's, I think that's a good addition. Um, so that's it for this week's Flicks in the Six. Check out SpinTune.com each week for uh, new content. And thanks for tuning in. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>